When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I am Megan Gibson, your host, and today I'll be talking with Jess Zarowitz. I met Jess at my new favorite yoga place called Wild Heart Yoga and here in Austin, Texas. And she is a great yoga instructor, but also has a lot to say about the power of yoga and physical movement in helping uh, work through some of the things that we, we deal with. So I hope you enjoy this episode and share it with someone you love if you think that they might benefit from it. If you don't know how to share a podcast episode, it's I, I want to say it's pretty easy, but it's not super obvious. Um, so when you go on the podcast app, at the very bottom, you'll go to the episode you're playing, <clears throat> and um, there will be three dots on the bottom right-hand corner, and it will say remove, save episode, play next, or share episode. So then you can push share episode, and you can send that to whoever you want, however you want. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. We just met at my new favorite yoga place. I gave a shout out to Wild Heart Yoga. Um, And I'm wondering if you could just sort of talk a little bit about how you were introduced to yoga. Like what brought you to to be interested in yoga and now be a yoga teacher? Sure. Um, I can still remember starting taking one of my first classes in Charlottesville, Virginia. I moved down there after college with a no plan plan. Um, You know, I graduated and didn't really know what I was doing. I had a friend who was moving there with her dog. And I was like, well, maybe I'll move there too. Um, So I ended up in Charlottesville for a little while and I went to a yoga class and I just remember being so confused, um, not knowing any of the shapes and, and, um, you know, something about it though had me coming back. So I kept going back and, you know, now, I mean, that was a long time ago. So I practiced for 10 years or so, never with the intention of becoming a teacher. In fact, when people said that to me, you should teach, I said, no way. Um, 
but I eventually enrolled in a, in a teacher training just for my own education to gain more tools and information for myself. And, um, and in the middle of it, I ended up quitting my full-time job unintentionally. I just, uh, I think this happens a lot for people. It's pretty common that things really shift while you're in a training. And, um, and then uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. And uh, so then I started teaching, and my practice also really transformed during this time. Um, it used to be um, pretty much uh, just vinyasa and very physical, and so the last couple years I've been learning to invite in more stillness and silence into my life. Well, that's, it's funny you talking about your first experience of yoga because it was similar for me as I just showed up and I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening in this room? But there was something that I that felt so good that I just kept going back to the point where, and at this point I was living in Massachusetts and I had no car, so I would ride my bike in the snow to this yoga place. <laughs> that's how much I really loved it. And it, it was just um, something something different that I hadn't experienced before and, um, and had a benefit that I hadn't really, you know, experienced before. Yeah, I think one of the main things also was just that it, it felt like a safe space, um, somewhere I could go to when I was at home and feeling a little angsty and didn't know what to do with myself, you know, and I was at home feeling all the feelings, I could just grab my mat, like you said, and go to the yoga studio and... Um, and just kind of be quiet for a little while and let my mind run its course and, um, you know, I always felt better after I was on my mat, mm -hmm. not that it solved, solved whatever, uh, I was dealing with, but I always felt better. So it was yeah. a safe place to go to when I needed, What's, when I needed something. It's interesting to me because the people that I have mentioned, you know, that maybe are similar to me, and I say, like, oh, you would really enjoy this yoga class, and they're like, no, no, I'm too high strung, or I can't sit still for that long. I'm like, actually, then you're the perfect candidate, because that's how I am also. I'm like, have you met me, you know? And uh -huh. that's where it's so beneficial to me. It just, like, helps my, my slow me down a little bit, and sort of, um, I don't know, make, reminds me that I don't have to constantly be on this, like, treadmill of life, you know? Um, and this is true, but, I, I, you know, one of the classes I teach at Wild Heart Yoga is restorative class. Um, and I often say that restorative is the hardest type of yoga because although physically it's not super demanding, Mentally, I think it's the hardest because we are, so many of us are so used to being so busy and active that to really just sit with yourself and not have distractions is really hard and some days it can be excruciating and I know that I used to hate restorative and yet classes <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't sit still, um, like you said, but over time... I've been able to um, to lean into it and to love it and to know, like you said, that for balance, if you are somebody, um, and I can relate to that, that it's something that you know is highly active in your mind and in your body. Then what you actually need is a slowness to balance you. Um, 
and learning about the gunas uh, really helped me to see that, to understand that, um, where there's sattvic, which is your calm disposition, that's what you think of when you think of a yogi, and then there's rajasic energy, which is that yang energy, which is really uh, swift and warm, and then yin, or um, tamasic, which is cooling and slow, and so if you are a slower, cooler person, you need that, you need to move, you should go to vinyasa class, and if you are a very busy, active person, then you need, you should go to a yin or restorative class, so you have that balance. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we decided to talk, we were talking after class one day, and you were telling me that you're um, very interested in um, trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive yoga. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how you came to learn about that and and, uh, just the power in yoga for helping with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I guess that's, you know, a lot of where my interest, my personal interest in yoga is. And then also um, some of my professional background has been a lot working with um, alternative populations and and so I've always had a strong desire and uh, passion for that. So when I quit my job and decided to try out teaching, one of the organizations I got involved with was is Conviction Yoga, where we teach um, incarcerated women and men. And um, and I think that you know there and there's other places that have been involved as well. But I think that. Um, getting into those communities, I've also taught out of, at Community First Village and Safe Place and some other places. And so I just think that yoga is for everybody and it can be really intimidating. And the way it's presented in the media, it seems like it's only for flexible people and it's about taking your body and putting it into these crazy shapes. Um, but for me, the benefits that I've felt from yoga have been from some of the more subtle um, parts of it like breath work and uh, meditation and the philosophy just for mind training and so that's the part for me that's actually been the most transformative to help soothe my nervous system and um, deal with trauma, anxiety, depression, all the things and so everybody has this stuff to a different degree um, and yeah, so I started teaching in the prisons and, and some other places, and then I did a trauma-informed yoga training, um, because before that I was teaching just based on my intuition, um, and so the trauma-informed yoga training then was really helpful for me to gain some more tools and a greater understanding of some of the science behind um, how our bodies work in response to trauma and then why yoga is helpful. Um, all the different aspects of yoga. So, um, yeah, I just think yoga is for everybody and, and it can be helpful to, to learn more about ourselves so that we can combat our patterns and grooves of our body and in our mind. Yes. Well, it's interesting because I had a traumatic um, loss and I was talking to a friend who is a dancer and so very attuned to her body and, and working things out through her body. And she was recommending that I get back to yoga because that wasn't something I was doing at that time. And 
I sort of went on this, I mean, I tend to be more like verbal, let's put words to everything. And, um, and I was saying how, oh, it's too bad that there's not more, you know, communication in yoga classes about the, the value in helping with trauma. And, and she sort of stopped me and she was like, but it just is, you know, you go and you do it and you feel it. It doesn't have to, I, I think that when you've had a traumatic event or you have, um, difficulty in your past, you can feel the difference in your body. And I think that sometimes we're such a, like a verbal word-based world that sometimes we forget that even if you don't put words to it, it still is happening. Is it, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, one of the reasons I really like teaching and some of these alternative environments is that I can talk about these things, um, in an unfiltered way. Um, and that to me is really healing and beautiful and to offer tools for people to use. And then in public classes, I teach basically the same way uh, because everyone's experienced something. You know, everyone's recovering from something, uh, whether it's physical injury or emotional or uh, whatever it is, everybody um, is in recovery from sorts. So um, it's been a really useful tool in all um, settings. But I think that, like you're saying, um, another interesting aspect is that when you've experienced trauma, right, we, we tend, like you said, you verbalize, right, and I bet you think a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like we tend to not be embodied and not actually occupy our bodies and maybe live in our minds or, you know, hovering above in the clouds. And so that also has been a big uh, part of my practice the way that I've developed and so encouraging others to do that as well because especially when you have um, experienced things in life, the nervous system quickly can go offline when triggered and go into fight, flight, or freeze response and that can lead us to not be in our bodies to dissociate and so um, you know, it's really, yoga is all about coming home to ourselves and so it works really nicely with this idea of embodiment and learning to occupy your body in, in new and different ways of changing your relationship with your body as well. Um, I find it particularly healing to be um, in the women's prison and teaching with, um, with with just women there because we can talk about some of the, the um, struggles in the world that are specific to women. Mm-hmm. When I was thinking about like even just not to make light of, of larger traumas, but sometimes it's just traumatizing being in the world and all the messages you get about what your body should or shouldn't be doing. And um, sometimes I think the message of, you know, whatever it's doing right now is what it's supposed to be doing. You know, that you're not doing it wrong somehow. Definitely. Yeah, the beauty myth and, um, and the way that women internalize um, the messages about our bodies or who we're supposed to be in the world and you know there's there's some real tectonic shifts happening right now which is exciting but you know a little more awakening or understanding of what the experience is like to be a woman in the world but yeah for sure being a woman in the world and then when, and then being a man in the world you know it's True. different different struggles different expectations but um but they also have their own unique set of expectations for themselves and, and things that other people and, you know, society and culture press onto them. 
So. No, I agree with that. I think that's so true because it's so easy to speak from my own experience, you know, because just that's what I know. But I think that's that's a good point to call out that, you know, women, men, all, all the different, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, and I think that's where you just, that reminder that you don't know what somebody else is walking with. Do you ever think about that when you're teaching a class, like wondering, you know, can I say this or can I not say this, not knowing what has gone on in the room or do you, or is that something just over time that gets easier? Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it's, uh, I think for me, it's been learning to trust myself and, um, I was really terrified to start teaching, uh, because I don't like public speaking and it felt like I had to, you know, speak for an hour and everyone's coming for something different from the teacher and so how do you give everyone what they need what they want mm -hmm. and um and it's it's been really a lesson for me to trust my intuition and to um and to lean into whatever is coming through for me in the moment mm -hmm. you know it's um but but i think also knowing your audience as in with any other business uh, situation is knowing your audience so you know I will speak differently about things when I'm in the prison or if I'm in a, a shelter with women or in a public class I still some of the things still carry over but maybe I talk about them in a little bit of a different way so tell me more about working in the prison system. This is something I've always been interested in and I have never done, mainly out of fear, or just the fear of the unknown. So what got you what got you initially interested and then what was that experience like? Like just sort of getting used to that environment. Um yeah, fear of the unknown is is a big thing. Fear is um is a really big mountain to overcome sometimes or to move through. But I guess I've always been good at com uh, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And uh, sometimes I think I don't have enough fear <laughs> about about going into strange situations. Um, maybe it's my New York blood, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have a high tolerance for, for uncom uncomfortable situations, right. but... Well, and it's also, I think those muscles get stronger, right? The more you do it, those, those, those muscles know, okay, I'm uncomfortable, but it, I will learn to adapt, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. it's that, that memory helps push forward to the next time, you know? Yeah, I think I was a less, less afraid to go into the prison than I was to teach the class. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, I started just a couple months after graduating from my teacher training, so I didn't really have much experience teaching, and I just went down and, and observed, and um, they, they had me go with another teacher to observe and then decide if I wanted to do it, which I pretty much knew the whole time I was going to do it anyway, but, um, but I, I went down, and... Um,
just that authenticity is what I really am drawn to in life. I'm inspired by radical honesty, and it's a space where I can really do that. And mm. so, um, you know, the, the ladies, so I go down there um, at 6 o'clock, and I hang out until 6.30, and then we start the class, and I teach until about 7.45, and then we hang out a little bit, and then... Um, and I leave, but I've really been able to cultivate a relationship with a lot of the women over time. Uh, it's been interesting with the management. Um, you know, that's that's an interest. That's, that's actually been a harder um, dynamic for me to digest. What is that? The management? What do you mean by that? Yeah, the way that the guards interact with oh, the inmates oh, and, okay. um, and the, the prison's view on yoga and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but they're really grateful. Um, the women are really grateful to have yoga. I've seen a lot of people come in and be a little skeptical or a lot skeptical and then start to feel the benefits and ask questions, and that's really exciting. And the prison that I work at is a... Um, a pre-release facility, so they're there for about two years and then they leave. So I've seen a lot of inmates leave and ask questions about doing yoga when they get out. Cool. Um, so that's really exciting, and that's really why I want to teach is to share tools um, that I've experienced success with, or that help me to cope, and um, and ways to replace negative coping mechanisms with positive ones. I love um, that. So. I love that. It, it's it's interesting to me because so part of the reason that I started this podcast was just because I feel like there's so many people having experiences in isolation, feeling like they're the only one, and you know. And the more I talk to people, the more you sort of I realize that there's just this connection between all of us. And I love what you were talking about about that we're all humans, you know. And it's easy for me to kind of like make other the prison population because it's not something I am familiar with. Um, but I love that. And I love sort of acknowledging that we all have things we've been through and, um, it doesn't, it doesn't make the people that are in that system less human or less, less needing of, of connection, I guess is the point I'm making. Um, so I love that. That's really cool work that you're doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think they're they're benefiting from it, and that's really exciting. What is the prison? You said that the prison has a certain view on yoga. What is that? Um, I, I don't want to speak for. I don't want to make a statement about the the whole prison uh, and their view on it based on a, a few people's. Mm. Um, opinions or ideas, you know. I see what you're saying, and it sometimes might just be that, like you said, with the people who are participating, it takes that leap of faith, and then you sort of start to see, oh, this is pretty cool. I mean, like I told you, with, even with friends of mine that I really know, I know they would love it, um, but they're just like, no, it's not for me, and I'm like, oh, never tried it. Um, so it's, it's well, and I think the, I mean, the reason I wanted to teach yoga is I was joking with someone this morning. I said, to normalize suffering. <laughs> and that sounds really a little bit uh, morose, but, you know, the first noble truth is that life is suffering. We're all suffering. And like you said, we don't talk about it enough. That, you know, I liked what you said about um, you don't know what people are coming in with. There's a quote that says, you know, be, be kind to everyone because you don't know 
everyone's everyone's fighting their own battles that we know nothing about. And I love that because we are all the same, and um, and we don't talk about the tough stuff enough because there's so much shame oftentimes associated with it. And so it's a really healing practice, I think, to be vulnerable and honest about who we really are and what we've experienced and and to own that, right? right. So, so that, I think, is a really healing practice for me. And, one of, and I've, I mean, it's completely changed my life teaching yoga because that's what I've been working to get closer to, is to be unapologetic about who I am and what I've experienced and, um, and be able to speak my truth. Right. No, I love that. That's fantastic. I, um, I was just thinking in my head and then I got distracted. I'm a little bit obsessed with the, um, the greatest showman song. This is me. Do you know that song? No, I don't. Have you seen the greatest showman? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so movie. good. Yes, it's really good. The greatest showman. Uh-huh. I kind of resisted seeing it because it's about P.T. Barnum. And, um, and I'm not super into musicals. And, um, and it, there was, somebody had posted something about, you know, P.T. Barnum um, did not have, uh, let's say, like healthy employment practices. So there are all these reasons not to see it in my mind. But anyway, the music is really good. And there's, there's this one song um, that's, the, it's like, I am brave, I am bruised, this is who I'm meant to be. And it's just a really good song. And it's all about these sort of um, cast of mi- misfits that are at the carnival. And, um, and it, it's just, a, it's a cute show. It's a really, it's a good, good watch. Um, okay, yeah. check it out. Yeah. Um, but then I had a question and then I started singing that song in my head. And now I'm like, just like off in, a, in like <laughs> musical land. Um, what was it? Being unapologetic. Oh, this is what I was going to say, is that I was just reading something about how there's a shift or, or a desire within the school system to have it be more trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive in schools. And, and I was talking to another woman who had been a school counselor, and she was saying that so much of um, school management is shame-based, and it just seems like that would be such a good space for yoga to be more... And I, I have seen... Some of that, like instead of detention, people, you know, have some yoga time just to kind of pull it together. And I just feel like there's such a resource here that maybe we just aren't using as much as we could um, in, in a lot of different spaces. Yeah, I think it's starting to gain a little more <laughs> momentum in schools and other places, which is really exciting. And, you know, I, I do see some, some of a shift, but I think a lot of what's necessary also is to, is to change what people perceive as yoga, because when people think of yoga, most often they think of physical practice, and it's so much more than that. So that's another thing that I think is important as teachers to educate no, I agree with that. There's also, um, I don't know if you've come across this at all, but people not believing in yoga for religious beliefs, like thinking there's some sort of devil or cultish thing. And to me, that's so, I actually personally find that it ties in with my faith because it's like you sort of can connect to that, that which you are faithful to, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Um, yeah, so. and it's about, I mean, for me, it's just about being a good person. Right. 
you know, being good to yourself and then being good to others. And, and so that's, that's what I see in Buddhist philosophy and yoga philosophy that's really beneficial. And then also, you know, moving closer to your truth and, and your, um, and learning more about your brain and your body and the way that you work. Right. And, and so that's, that self-examination, self-inquiry is, um, is something that I think is also gained from, from diving deeper into yoga. Do you ever read any, um, Brene Brown? Mm-hmm. I feel Definitely. like there's such a good tie between the work she's doing on vulnerability. And I honestly think that, you know, future students of psychology will look back on her work and she will be one of those like big, like game changer people because mm-hmm. her work on vulnerability and just kind of like putting it out there and how healing that can be. And I love and what shame. you're and shame. About shame a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And um, I think that I love what you're talking about because I think that it's this practice of noticing your body and oh, being more aware. You can't be vulnerable with what you have if you're not aware of what you have, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I love that, like that it's it's a tool to help you become more in touch with what you got going on with yourself on any given day. So and live your fullest life. To right. be, you know, to lift the veil and be real with yourself. You can be real, real with others. Brene Brown also talks about grit and grace. Um, and I like that a lot, too. Yeah, she is the best. I love her. Uh, yeah. If anybody knows Brene Brown, tell her to call me for the podcast. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. tell her to call me for coffee. Call me. Um, Tara Brock is another great resource that I really enjoy. Oh, okay. Her book, Radical Acceptance. Oh, cool. Okay. And Kristen Neff talks about self-compassion. She lives here in Austin. Um, and her book is really, and her research on self-compassion is really amazing. Okay. And then Pema Chadron uh, is, is one of my go-tos just as far as Buddhist philosophy and looking at fear and the way it affects us and and ways that we can move through our thinking patterns. So that's that's another great thing I like to do um, with teaching is offer resources to people. I often bring in poems and different readings for classes, for public classes, but especially when I go into um, the prison or go to the jail. Mm-hmm. And, and the women really respond well to those things. It's such a gift, I think. And I think... In this day and age with like technology and everything is so fast, sometimes just taking that moment to reflect on a passage is a gift mm-hmm. that we're not necessarily going to give to ourselves if we don't carve out that time. Um, so I'm very thankful for the spaces you guys create. I appreciate it because I know I wouldn't do it if I was in my own house. I'd be like folding a laundry. Um, so mm-hmm. thank you. That's hard. We live really busy lives. Oh, it's crazy. What, so I'm curious if there's anything that you were hoping you would be able to talk to me about and that I did not ask you about. Um, let's see. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, I just, sometimes people have, there was, oh yes, I, I really wanted to say this one thing. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for ages about all of this, but, um, I think you've provided amazing resources, and I just think that, uh, I mean, yoga has been a game changer for me, 
for sure. I mean, I, and I'm so thankful that I stumbled upon it and was willing to sort of walk in the door not knowing what was going on um, and sort of be, be uncomfortable. So uh, I like to share it as a resource to other people too, because like I said, it's, it's been transformational for me. Um, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess the thing I would say is that you can't teach what you don't know. Like, like you said, you can't share what you don't know, what you don't experience. Right. And so, um, and so I think a lot of times people think that yoga teachers, you know, are nice and buttoned up and have it all together. But, but again, it's just like we're all just humans. And, um, and so teaching yoga has been really helpful for me. It's made me accountable, right, to look at all my, my own stuff so that I can understand it better and then and then as I heal those parts of myself I can then share with other people. Right. That's great. I love that. Beautiful. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm guessing yoga has part part of this or maybe not. Um, you know, as you're doing all of this care for other people, what are some things that you do for your own self care that sort of keep you healthy and able to do this good work with other people? Oh, I love that you brought this up because self-care is a, a big one. I, um, I'm a big proponent of it. And again, demystifying what it is. And um, I also am a landscape architect and I, I work as a creative and artist as well. And so I spoke last year at the a, a convention for uh, landscape architects in Texas. And I spoke about self-care and showed some images about this is what self-care looks like for me. And I had a pie chart that showed how my week is allocated, the different things that I do. And there was a big chunk that said self-care. Mm. And then I said, this is what it looks like. And it's pictures of me and my garden, um, you know, being out in nature with a book, um, going for a walk with my dog, you know, swimming, yoga, you know, it doesn't have to be anything that is really expensive or indulgent or luxurious. Making a nice meal for myself and eating it slowly. And so these are some of the things that are just simple pleasures that are self-care. And, and a lot of them for me have to do with just slowing down. Mm -hmm. So disconnecting from technology is a big one for me. I like to leave my phone home and go for a two-hour walk with my dog, you know, or listening to a podcast, reading a book, you know, feeding my, my brain some good information. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's things that are nourishing right. and things that take me closer to myself right. instead of further away. So it's really the simple, simple things in right. life. I love that. And it's different for, for everybody, right. you know. Somebody might really love taking baths or doing a face mask. And you can do it at home. It doesn't have to be expensive, um, things like that. Yeah, no, I love it. And the reason I think it's such an important question is that, I mean, we're worth taking care of, first of all. And second of all, we show up better for other people. You know, it, I think so many of us want to show up well for others. We might not always think about showing up well for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. But we can definitely show up better for others when we are taking care of ourselves. So if that's the only way you, you come by self-care is that you want to show up better for other people, um, that's, that's a reason. 
But um, and it's interesting because I always, that's how I end the podcast each time is asking people about their self care and just you know what they do to take care of themselves. One because I'm just super interested. Like, give me some ideas. What do you do? I want to I want to copy. Um, but also, it's fun to hear people sort of like reflect. Like, oh, I really need to, you know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not doing a very good job of that right now. And we all go through those shifts where it could be better or worse. Like we just came through a big move and my self-care prior to the move was not stellar. Um, but it was survival kind of, you know, it was just Uh that moment where it just wasn't really happening, but now I'm really excited to get back to it, you know? Um, so sort of being gentle with ourselves, knowing that it's not always going to happen in the perfect way, you know, but that, that you can always come Uh back to it. So Right. It's about knowing what you're coming back to. I think the major shift for me is, has been, I mean, again, this is not foolproof, said, and, you know, I've, I've been running around too much lately, so I'm really trying to buckle down and, and spend some more time with myself the next couple weeks before the holiday so that I can be um, centered and grounded moving into that time of year. But I think the main shift for me is getting in touch with my intuition. So learning to slow down long enough that I can feel and understand what it is that I really need and then loving myself enough to listen to that. Mm, That's great. And that is a huge shift for me. Because often, you know, the body doesn't lie. The body, the breath will tell us exactly what we need, but then all too often we just don't listen to it. So that for me is caring enough about myself to to really honor what it is that I that I intuitively know that I need. Right. No, I love that, and I think that creating that space for it is is necessary. You're not going to see it with all the images and input we get from the world, especially again with technology. I mean, it's become so. Um, I don't know that there's just so yeah and stimulation is everywhere I mean it's just like there's stimulation everywhere and I think that it's it's hard to check in with yourself if you are being stimulated by outside things Um, Mm -hmm. so well I have loved talking to you you are awesome and I love your class everybody go check out wild heart yoga actually not everybody because I don't want it to be super crowded just just crowded (laughs) I just like my spot by the window um yes Well, thank you so much, and I love everything that you had to share, and I think you're doing really important work. Thank you, Megan. I love talking to Jess and learning more about her journey with yoga, and it helps remind me of why I love it so much. When I first did yoga, I was just kind of trying something different just for fun, and it really has been something that I continually come back to as something that's just really helpful for me mentally and physically. So thank you for sharing your story, Jess, and all the awesome work you're doing. And I want to thank Game Day Media for helping produce this podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.